November 19th, 2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we present the final discussion on the Tree of Life, Kether and the Supernals, in our series on the tree. We have worked from the bottom up, and now we will have to shift into reverse and start down from above. We will outline the theory of four dimensions on the tree and how each dimension contains its own tree. Tether of Malkuth being the heaven with God on his throne, if that's what you want. And we will also deal with the two higher dimensions, Atsaluth and Bria, and the Okmabina yin-yang effect, and our main text will be Dion Fortune's Mystical Kabbalah, that's Q-A-B-A-L-A-H, which is the main source for both Carrot Knight and John Michael Greer's work on that subject. Now, there will be some surprises in store, so tune in and we'll take heaven by storm. <laughs> All right, let's uh, start off here by going back uh, to... Uh, 1996, and uh, the Book of Solomon's Magic. And the reason why I'm starting back there is because we have a uh, definition of the magical Kabbalah in here, which I want to uh, start off with, because we're starting, this is really uh, the start of the tree up at the top. And as I said in the abstract, we, uh, you know, we, we started this, study uh, some months ago down at the uh, down at the bottom and worked our way up because that's the way most people work the tree. But now that we're coming up to the, the top three spheres, the supernals, we really, to do this right, we have to sort of reverse ourselves and, and go up to the, uh, uh, to the top and work our way down, at least work our way down uh, through uh, beyond us. Uh. So, Way back in 1996, and I, I promise you, we are going to get out of second edition of Solomon's Magic. We do have that on the, on the, uh, well, it's on the back burner. I'd like to move it to the front burner, but right now it's still on the back burner. But we will get one out hopefully next year sometime. Uh, chapter five, the Kabbalah of Wizardry, starts off with some preliminary uh, poetry over the top. And this was quoted from uh, one of my uh, karmic ancestors, uh, uh, a uh, shaman by the name of Kakiabo, and uh, it goes this way. In the beginning there was whirling darkness, the mother of night and the dragon of chaos, and the dragon embraced the mother of night who gave birth to two sons, the light who shone forth to ensoul the worlds and time who gave meaning to eternity. You know, that's uh, not, I don't think that's quite on the level with Blavatsky's stanzas of Dazan, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. And uh, um, the stanzas of Dazan, by the way, is not something Blavatsky made up. It actually, it actually does come from an ancient Tibetan text. Uh, so, chapter 5 starts off, the Kabbalah wizardry. Remember, as above, so below, as within, so without. And at this point, you might be wondering, how can we, as mere mortals, presume to invoke archangels, 
and the vocation gods, goddesses, and demon kings, and even we have the essential operating operative secrets, hypnosis, the mirror reflection uh, method, uh, and the aura producing crystal. But where do we get the special knowledge, the philosophy, and the empowerment to use these methods in magical operations? The philosophy behind Solomon's magic is Kabbalah. I spelled out K-A-B-B-A-L-A-H, which is the Hebrew spelling. Uh, in magic, the Kabbalistic mindset is important is as important as the hypnotic as the hypnotic operating technique. If hypnosis is the tactic of the wizard, then Kabbalah is his strategy. About this, there is comforting news and challenging news. The challenging news is is that you cannot escape learning the basics of Kabbalah. The comforting news is that you don't need to read Hebrew any better than some Tibetan lamas can read Sanskrit, and they're still excellent magicians. Now, please understand, I don't propose to teach you Kabbalah in this book. This short chapter merely sets forth the special characteristics of our version of Kabbalah, and you can familiarize yourself with the grand old system and the works we've recommended in the study guide. Now, with this in mind, let's look briefly at what I call the Kabbalah of wizardry. It was developed in the late Middle Ages and early Renaissance by nominally Christian magicians and is usually referred to as the Hermetic Kabbalah. Now, how does it differ from the Rabbinical Kabbalah and just how pagan or how Gnostic or how Judeo-Christian isn't it or is it? These questions may not seem important at this point, but they will loom large as you begin a serious study of the subject. So I will do my best to answer them as briefly and as simply as I can right at the outset of your training. Let us begin by attempting a one-sentence definition of Kabbalah. Kabbalah is a philosophical, mathematical, geometric system that describes the creation and operation of the universe through four dimensions by employing a schematic design containing ten spheres of descending emanation connected by 22 paths attributed to letters of the alphabet and their numerical equivalents. Now, that's very concise, but that is basically what, what is Kabbalah. Now, this is a starting point, but not much better than giving the weight, height, and color as the definition for an elephant. Essential to understanding Kabbalah is the concept of Ein Sof, the limitless nothing, that contracts into itself and produces the Ein Sof Aur, the limitless light which then expands to produce the universe and continues to enliven and to ensoul it. Now, this conception predates modern physics, the modern physics Big Bang Theory, by thousands of years. It also puts Kabbalistic philosophy in a very controversial position in relation to Orthodox, Jewish, and Christian religion. At the highest level, the Kabbalist can conceive God is not judgmental or in any way dissatisfied with his creation. He simply is, and he continues to be. Ahaya, I am becoming. A contemporary popular analogy would be the force in the Lucas Star Wars films. The universe is therefore operated by lesser, more differentiated personifications such as angels, gods, goddesses, and elemental spirits. 
The idea was originally Neoplatonic, the philosophical high water mark of classical paganism, and can be explained further in the writings of the philosopher Plotinus and his followers. And we attribute all these lesser powers to the various spheres and paths of the tree of life structure described in our one-sentence definition. We can then access them for knowledge and for help. All right, that's enough of that. Let's get on into what we're discussing, the three supernals, the three top spheres, the beginning of the tree of life. Now, uh, in order to... um, In order to grasp the the beginning of the beginning, to begin at the beginning, okay. Uh, Let's return to what we said about the limitless nothing and the limitless light. Now, the limitless nothing, that's the inning, contracts itself uh, and and, and, the ain is nothing, and the self is is, uh, is limitless. So the ain self is the limitless nothing. It contracts into itself and produces the ain self or word. Now this is not exactly the way the old Kabbalists described it. They they thought that the limitless darkness was was in contrast to and and coexisting with what they called the limitless light. And then they said the limitless light contracted and formed Kether. Well. Other Kabbalists uh, closer to modern physics have uh, have, have um, gotten the idea that the limitless nothing, the limitless darkness, in other words, in other words, dark matter, it condensed and and uh, and produced uh, a point of light as an as a compression explosion. Um, in fact, this goes along with what. Uh, uh, some adept once told Dion Fortune, if you want a one definition, a one word definition of God, pressure. <laughs> Think about that. A one word definition of God, pressure. Yeah, so the Ain Sof, uh, the Ain Sof, the limitless nothing, the darkness, the dark universe, it, it, out of this comes a spark of light. It compresses. And, and this is why they call, uh, they call the, um, um, the, the, the beginning of the whirlings that we call the 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 the, uh, the up there and Kether, the beginning of the whirlings, and this this whirlpool compresses compresses tighter and tighter and tighter until finally it explodes into light, and then the light becomes limitless light, and and, and it in turn ensouls the worlds. It becomes become it is it is an entity into itself. But the most important thing to understand about Kether, about the God force of Kether, is that it is absolutely non-judgmental. It can't be. It cannot be judgmental. This this is something that that the fundamentalists just simply cannot grasp. When I say fundamentalists, I mean fundamentalists both of the uh, Judaic and the Christian. They can't grasp this. How can God be be just just up there? He's just satisfied with himself. He's totally, God is completely satisfied with himself. He he just is. And so consequently, everything that uh, exists, you know, it, it, what we call good and evil and and, and, uh, and cosmos and chaos and everything, all of this, God's happy with it. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he, he is. And this is why Ahaya, that, that, uh, that formula, I am, I am what I am. And, and as Dion Fortune points out, it doesn't mean just that. It means I am becoming. 
because he continually becomes. He is and he becomes. And that force radiates. Now, there's another way of looking at this, which we're going to look at also in Bina, uh, because the, two, the next two sephirot in the, in the next dimension, Bria, next dimension down, uh, the next two sephirot have a lot in the way their action has a lot in common with, with Kether's action on them. And Kether, by the way, Kether exists in one dimension, top of the tree. Absolute. One dimension. And that the only sphere in that dimension is is um, is Kether. Uh, the mechanics of the Kabbalah are kind of, kind of difficult to get your head around. Sometimes it's it's, it's or get your arms around. It's, it's kind of it's kind of hard. To, uh, but if you meditate on the tree, and especially if you meditate on on the the way it's broken down in in dimensions and in and in, in levels, if you meditate on it, you will eventually you will eventually uh, get a Kabbalistic perspective. And um, and I want you to look at the tree not as a map, but as a schematic. Don't think of it as a, as a road map. It's a schematic. I know we use a road map analogy sometimes with path workies, but but we're really we're really not not uh, uh, an electrical schematic is a better analogy. Now over on page sixty-two in Solomon's Magic, we have a, a Phoenician Kabbalah of the OTA, we have a diagram of the Tree of Life. And up at the top, we have Atsaluth, who, you know, dotted lines, and then below that, we have an ellipse that contains both Hokmah and uh, Bina, the two the two Sephira in, in the next dimension, which is Bria. Now, Atsaluth, dimension of the tree. And by the way, these four dimensions, below below Bria, we have uh, we have uh, uh Tippereth uh Netsak and Hod and, and half of you saw it uh in uh in in the uh in in the Sakura of the Azura, the so called astral plane. And below that you have half of uh and, and, and all of Malkuth in a Shia. That's the physical world. And uh, uh that's one dimension down there. So if you notice the way the tree is structured, the top dimension, uh, which were you know the the limitless, uh, the limitless nothing and the limitless light and and, and the kepler, the point, um, the point of origin, uh, that's one dimension. And then the kingdom, uh, Malkuth down below the physical, that's one dimension. And then we have uh, this uh, this astral uh, dimension, uh, and then we have uh, uh, between. Uh, there and, and and the top we have Bria, the archangelic dimension with uh, with the other two. Now they are they are attributed to the tetragrammaton, and also all of the symbolism of the tetragrammaton, of course, uh, starts with the, with these uh, with these four dimensions, and uh, and so uh, Atzaluth with a tree, uh, Atzaluth being that that original emanation of power that is uh the uh, that's where we we get the color scale letters for uh for our, our capitalistic formulas because uh we have four different scales of our of our formulas for for each one of these dimensions and uh, and this is why a study of this 
is important to the magician. You really, really need to get the Kabbalah in your guts. And and uh, and we uh, we require that you memorize the tree and the basic correspondences and all that before you go to second degree. And you should because this 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 software in your in your personal brain computer, and and then then you can really do magic. But without it. Uh, well, frankly, without it, uh, you don't do very well because this is this is the software that you that you operate with. Uh, now, let's uh, before we go from Kether, this um, Kether has, as I say, no personality except in in one of the lower dimensions. Now, I must dig digress to, to, to explain that each one of the of these four dimensions, each one of them, has a whole tree inside itself. And you can explore, as a, as a magician, going up a tree, doing uh, doing your own path workings, doing your own ascension or whatever, you can explore the tree from in, in, in any one of these dimensions. It's actually pretty difficult in, up, in, up in Bria and, and, and Absolute. That, that's... That's getting awfully high up there, but 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 in Yetzirah, in uh, in Ashia and Yetzirah, you can do this. And look, this is why I said in the abstract that um, uh, the Kether of Malkuth is where you're going to find God on His throne, if that's what you want. And this is this is where you're going to find uh, uh, the scene, like uh, John, like John of Patmos describes in the in the Book of Revelation. This is where you're going to find that sort of a scene. If you want to find anthropomorphic symbolism, it's going to have to be, for Kether, it's going to have to be in, in Kether of Malkuth. So you've got to stay down in Malkuth and go up to Kether there, and you might be able to get some anthropomorphic symbolism. Higher than that, you're not going to get anthropomorphic symbolism out of Kether. It's, it's the Force. Use the Force, Luke. And, and that's... Uh, so consequently, uh, let's be aware that there are different levels of each one of these spheres, including including the top supernals. Now, with that said, let's take a look at. Uh, you know, it really helps if you have a, one of these little um, one of these little tree of life uh, uh, cards uh, showing the, the tree. From maybe from BOTA or something like that. Uh, if you've got one of these, or if you're looking at it when you're listening to these these lectures on the tree, and those of you who go back and listen to them on, on the archives, you know, get a little get a little uh, tree of life diagram with the correspondences on it. It sure helps when I'm when I'm talking about uh, about these. Um, now, uh, Axeluth goes down uh, to Hokmah and and, uh, and Mina, both of which are in the dimension of Bria. And so it goes through dimensions, and, it, and it, it hits, first it hits like the lightning flash. Now remember the flaming sword. The flaming sword goes uh, from, uh, from uh, Kether down to Hokmah, across to, uh, to Bina, down through to Ath and on to Hesed and in, in Yitzur and whatever. And so you need to take a look at that, uh, that flaming sword uh, or lightning flash diagram too. But uh, in, in, uh, in Bria, which is the archangelic uh, dimension, which is the, um, 
You remember our analogy that, uh, well, we used Alain Duquette's uh, uh, analogy of Plato when he described Plato's uh, theoretical uh, preformed chair, you know, the, the idea we, the, uh, where... Uh, um, uh, we're, we're going to we're going to build a chair according to God's desire, and uh, Lon used this to describe uh, uh, the, the whole function of the tree. And it starts off, you know, up in chapter where uh, where God up in chapter and he says rest, and and Hokman Bina the uh, they down there in Bria, uh, that's the senior staff, you know that, and they and they say, oh hey. The old man wants a chair, and so then they start giving uh, they start giving orders down to the to the you know to the people who do the planning and and have the workshop and everything down at Yazira, and eventually the chair ends up in the showroom uh, down in down in Malkuth, and and uh, and those of us can oh I have a call who am I speaking with? Hey Polk, it's Joe Carson. Oh, hi there, gracious lady. I am so glad you called because tonight uh, we're going to talk about Dion Fortune's um, concept of, of, of especially of Bina, and I think you're going to love it. Her book, The Mystical Kabbalah, has been basically the main mainstay of this this course we've been giving on, on, uh, on the Kabbalah. And uh, I hope that book's still in print. I know I've been referring to it over and over and over again. Uh, but uh, let me go on, and I'll get to that. Uh, I, I'm just about to get to that. So, uh, And when I get to it, uh, I've got a quote from Dion Fortune that, that you're just going to love. Uh, can I just put my question in line, and then uh, you can answer it whenever it's uh, appropriate, okay? Okay. Put your question. So here's my question. I, I thought maybe you could bring into the discussion the role of death for people um, and where that is on the tree of life, how that works, whether Da'af is involved, and is there a role for the ancestors in terms of the tree of life? Um, and by that, I mean the ancestors for each individual, you know, like I have my ancestors, you have your ancestors. Is there any role that can be discussed for the ancestors and then, you know, for our individual deaths as we are looking at the overall tree of life and then, also, does this relate at all to, um, or is there a connection that you could describe between the levels of initiation that we go through as uh, we advance, for instance, in the OTA? And, and I can take my answer whenever it's convenient for you to answer. I'll, I I'll take it off think, I think I think we can deal deal with that. Uh, and you know, uh, you have uh, you have our Hermetic Yoga book, and you're familiar with the, right. You're familiar with the the the, off, uh, the section on the off, which we attribute to Saturn. And of course, that's that's. Uh, that's the area of your question, and we're just about to get to that. But we have to go through. Uh, we have to go through Bria uh, and uh, and uh, the Hokma and Bina connection, and then we'll then we'll be to that. So uh, bear with us. Uh, okay, great. Now, I'll go ahead and sign off, and I'll look forward to hearing the discussion. Thank you. Okay, right. Uh, the uh, okay now. Um, Hokma. That's over on the uh, on the right side of the tree, which is uh, which is the uh, pillar of mercy. And of course, you know, on the other side of the tree, which is the feminine side of the tree, is the pillar of severity. And Dion Fortune has some nice rational rationale on that. But uh, the uh, uh, Hokma 
is is the masculine uh, aspect of Bria, and Bina is the female aspect of Bria. And what this amounts to is that that Okma and Bina are the two halves of God. And uh, this this is uh, here again. This is what these things. It's kind of difficult to to get your arms around this, but this is the way it works because Kether is completely androgynous. Kether is a is a is a um, you know the birth of a the birth of the of the of the of the great soul. You know, and the birth of the, and and it's the birth of light and whatever, and the soul is light and and. Uh, and uh, it differentiates uh, as it as it emanates. It differentiates, and and hokma uh, is is what is referred to as the beginning of consciousness. And consciousness then compl- con- then contemplates itself. And this is like Adam's rib and Adam and Adam and Eve. And then it begins. It puts off the comp- It it uh, it looks at itself. Now, hokma. Uh, which is referred to as as as, as wisdom, or uh, and then uh, Bina is referred to as understanding. Um, that's that's a good analogy, male and female, wisdom and understanding. But um, it forms the best the best visual analogy of what this uh, does is to think of it as a yin yang. We've all seen the yin yang symbol. You know, it's like a big a big. Uh, uh, White-colored teardrop or white teardrop with a black dot in the middle of it, chasing around a black teardrop with a white dot in the middle of it. You know, and it, and, it, and I like to refer to this as the two-stroke engine of the universe, because uh, this is what it is. It, it's it's sort of chug 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 chug. It, it, it's a two-stroke engine, and uh, uh, but go a little further with it. Um, the the male side of it, uh, Okma, the male side, and and uh, here again, this is one of these things that uh, uh, the feminists have been a little unhappy about uh, that uh, that the Kabbalah considers uh, uh, the uh, the original energy to be male. Uh, well, yes, in a way, and no, and we'll get to that because. Um, Hokma is that is that energy, and it in turn uh, can be said to, as this yin yang two stroke engine goes, it can be said to impregnating Bina, which is referred to as the supernal mother, and and the supernal mother and the fertile mother, and and also Bina is also the realm of the of the fixed stars, the realm of the universe. It's the dark. It here again, like like that limitless light, I like the 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 angel, like that limitless nothing. It's the vast universe, whereas Hokma is referred to as the zodiac, the origin of the zodiac. In other words, those are the stars that we know. So, so uh, Hokma is impregnating uh, Bina, the 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 universe with the stars that we know, okay, and that's the uh, that's the Kabbalistic analogy. However, Dion Fortune makes a very very good point about this, and uh, what she what she's saying is is that uh, if you want to take a sexual analogy here, uh, then really 
Mina, the female side, is just as creative as the male side. And uh, give me a second here to uh, as I'm as I'm as I'm talking to sort of um, to sort of uh, find my little quote here that I have in MD. I'm fortunate to um, uh, to describe this um, and. Uh, Let's see. I think this is it. Uh, Consider now the maleness and femaleness of this pair of supernal opposites as reflected in the art and the act of generation. The spermatozoa of the male are incapable of more than the briefest life. They are the simplest possible units of energy. And once that energy is expanded, they dissolve. But the reproductive mechanism of the female, the womb that bears, and the breasts that feed are capable of bringing this handed-on life to independent life of its own. And yet all this elaborate machinery must lie inert till the stimulus of the Hokmah force sets it in action. The female reproductive unit is all potential, but inert. The male reproductive unit is all potent, but incapable of bringing to birth. Now, that means that that uh, without the without the female principle of the universe, and this is also referred to as uh, the as the um, the the Soma Sophia, you know, the the goddess of the stars, Nuit, and uh, and uh, the um, well, as I say, the Soma Sophia was the great was the great goddess of the stars, and she and she was the fallen thought of God, if you remember in Gnostic uh, philosophy. So, uh, so the, uh, the the Hokmah and, and Bina analogy for creation is um, is vitally important and represents both both halves of God. Now, when I say both halves of God, uh, God is is not not don't think of God necessarily as bisexual. You think of God uh, in this sense as more as uh, more of a um, of a, a pair, a married pair, uh, a king and a queen. That's the better way to look at it. Now I'm going to get to this quote here, but uh, uh, I wanted uh, I wanted uh, Lady Joe to, to uh, pay attention to and. Uh, this is when I came across this, I thought, oh, oh boy! This uh, right now, Prior Solomon and I are working on a uh, on the uh, the chapter in the new yoga book on Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And uh, this, I, when I ran across this, I thought, this is something we have to just quote directly in uh, in in the book in, in Mary in the marriage uh, of Mary Magdalene and Jesus, which, by the way, uh, Jesus liken Mary Magdalene to, uh, to the Queen of Sheba. Uh, we just discovered that in both Matthew and Luke. Uh, but marriage was the main thing. The main thing Jesus was concerned about was was sanctifying and 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 uh, and empowering the female through the right of marriage, giving her giving her total equality with the man. And he was very concerned about that. And that's not just my opinion. That's in Scripture. Okay, so uh, this this is what I want to say about the the marriage of the marriage of Hokmah and Bina. And this is Dion Fortune. 
Marriage is not a matter of two halves, but of four quarters, uniting in balanced harmony a reciprocal uh, function. Bina and Hokmah are balanced by Hod and Netzach. There are goddesses as well as gods for man to worship. She means man in the collective sense. Um, Boaz and Yachim are both pillars of the temple, and only when united do they produce stability. A goddessless religion is halfway to atheism. In the word Elohim, we find the true key. Elohim is translated God in both the authorized and revised versions of the Holy Scriptures. It really ought to be translated God and Goddess, for it is a feminine noun with a masculine plural termination affixed. This is an incontrovertible fact in its linguistic aspect at any rate, and it is to be presumed that the various authors of the books of the Bible knew what they meant and did not use this peculiar and unique form without good reason. And the spirit of the male and female conjoined principles moved upon the surface of the formless and manifestation took place. If we want equilibrium, Instead of our present condition of unequal stress, we must worship the Elohim, not Jehovah. I'll repeat that. If we want equilibrium instead of our present condition, unequal stresses, we must worship the Elohim, not Jehovah. Which brings me to the to say that the worst thing that ever happened to God was Jehovah. And and uh, so that that right there is as I say, I think that that is a as a dynamite quote from uh, from Dion Fortune. Now um, let's uh, let's consider uh, what happens when uh, when uh, Hopmar and Bina come together and and from them produce. Uh, produce this uh, emanation downward, which goes on down across the abyss, you know, between the dimensions, going on down into, uh, into Yazura, and of course the first, uh, the first sphere that, they, that the lightning flash runs into is Yisra said, and, uh, and that is attributed to El, which of course is, is, uh, is the original, the original uh, um, God of the Bible, uh, and uh, but before it gets there, what it has to do is is go through this this phantom circle or this phantom sphere here, right in the middle, on the middle pillar, right in the middle of the tree, called Da'at. And this is the one that uh, Joe was asking about. Da'at is it is the depth point, and 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 uh, and this uh, uh, creates a number of interesting situations here. Uh, the original numbering of the ten sphere tree, and we've discussed this numerous times uh, during this series, 
and of course we discuss it at some length in the Hermetic Yoga book, that uh, the, street, the tree as we have it, which is the Athanasius culture version of it, the tree as we have it, the Manudum Mundum, is, has got ten spheres. And this, you know, is in the Sephiroth or uh, the Book of Formation, it says the tree has ten spheres, not nine, not eleven. It just has ten, and that's it. And, of course, they're thinking about the ten fingers on your hand and the ten toes on your feet and whatever. But um, there has been, for quite a while, ever since the 13th century, we've had an eleventh sphere. And that eleventh sphere is... Uh, well, it's kind of necessary, actually, because we have to have it. Uh, we have to have it between uh, on the lightning flash. We have to have it right down, uh, running from Bria right to uh, right to his head, and it's right there where the lightning flash crosses the uh, middle pillar at the edge of the abyss, and um, that sphere, Doth, means knowledge. And there's all kinds of interesting things about that sphere, which, which uh, we're going to have to get into, because that's this is where these uh, as sopranos come down. But before, but in, in a way, before we, we get too far along, there's a few more things I need to mention about uh, about Hokma and Bina. Uh, we can't personify except in lower in lower spheres. Remember now, I said that that each one of the the, the higher spheres have they 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 also uh, exist in the lower dimensions in in Yitzira and in Ashia. We can't be personifying too much. We do personify. Obviously, we personify uh, based on Jungian archetypes, and we personify based on pagan gods and goddesses. Uh, but but, uh, person- but personification in dimensions like Bria and Atsaluth is uh, it really you're you're so high up at that point that personifications are are uh, really not. Uh, uh, not uh, there's something that you should be about if you really are up in those dimensions you should be beyond that point but so perhaps the best way to look at it is to don't try don't try reaching these higher spheres in in uh, in their own dimensions try reaching them in the lower dimensions and that way you can use symbolism like uh, like uh, John of Patmos uses in the Book of Revelations. And by the way, the Book of Revelations is is an exercise in Merkabah mysticism, which which was the ascension of the spheres previous to the Kabbalah. And that uh, Merkabah mysticism came before the Kabbalah, but that's what the Book of Revelation is. It's Merkabah mysticism. Um, so, with that in mind, even though uh, we we like to think of of um, uh, Bina as the Soma Sophia, as the vast, the vast universe of the stars, and and uh, and and all. Uh, with that in mind, let's let's uh, uh, bring that uh, power down to Daath and talk about Daath. Now, uh, Daath was once, and this has been theorized numerous times. Daath was once uh, a real sphere. Uh, according to some uh, to some um, theories, it was a real sphere that fell when the, when the uh, when the fall and the fall, of course, is supposedly uh, um, 
analogous, or at least it's been allegoricized, in, uh, if that's a word, allegoricized. But did I do like Clark Ashton Smith in the better word? I don't know. <laughs> allegoricized. Uh, the, um, it's been allegoricized in... in, in uh, um, in uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 sense that uh, uh, the Garden of Eden of, of, of Eve eating the apple and all of that, and which is something that, by the way, uh, has two totally different interpretations, just like the Cain and Abel thing does. Uh, Eve eating the apple is really not that wasn't that evil. Uh, although she got blamed for it, according to, to the the uh, the Yahweh the Yahwehists uh, blamed her, and and uh, and we've been suffering. Women have been suffering ever since, and ever since they they decided to blame her for the fall of man. But regardless of that, let's say the fall of man uh, from a Gnostic, uh, maybe a Hermetic point of view, the fall of man kind of. Yeah, it comes along with the, the with the fallen angels, the, you know the the uh, the fallen angels, the Book of Enoch, and and bringing knowledge down to uh, to man. And uh, you remember in the Bible in Genesis it says that um, God, in His role as Elohim, you know, uh, God the Committee, not not or God 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 male and female, and and um, and, and with all his Elohim around him, he says we're going to have to run, keep Adam. We're going to have to keep Adam and Eve out of the out of the the, the Garden of Eden now, because if they eat of the tree of knowledge, they're going to become like us. And you remember, he said, like us. What does he mean by us? He means he and he and she and the Elohim. That's what he means. And uh, uh, so. Um, The the da'at sphere was was once a sphere that was knowledge, and when it fell, and when it fell, it uh, with the fall, it went all the way down to Malkuth, and that's when it disappeared. Now, in order in order for uh, us to uh, to reascend the tree, in order for us to uh, to reascend the tree, we find it necessary to re- to to reconstruct or recreate the earth, which we've done and created an eleven sphere tree that reconstitutes the earth, and we've done that in order to get us across the uh, to get us across the abyss and also give us uh, a proper sphere for for Saturn. Now, what ended up happening? Um, when they established this ten sphere tree, described earlier, the Kabbalah has some flaws, and uh, <laughs> it has some mathematical and 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 by inference geometric flaws. And one of the big flaws of the Kabbalah is it has no place. It has no uh, uh, place for all of the uh, uh, symbolism of the um, of the. Uh, um, of the zodiac and and uh, and of, of the elements, and it has no place for for the element of Earth, and so it substitutes Saturn for that, and that uh, ends up causing a problem where 
where they started applying uh, planets to the spheres of the tree of life. Now, uh, you want to put some blame on this. You're going to say, well, who stuck, who stuck planets on the tree of life? I guess we can blame uh, Moses de Leon for that and the Zohar because he certainly did. And uh, so what ends up happening here is, is we got, uh, uh, we got uh, uh, all of the hermetic, uh, the hermetic planets, the moon, the moon, Venus, Mercury, the sun, um, and Jupiter and Mars uh, and Saturn. But if you start doing that, you end up putting Saturn up in um, in uh, in uh, in in Bria, up in Bina. And Saturn just plain doesn't go there. They did it. They stuck it up there. And uh, Dion Fortune tries to uh, rationalize it. And it's one of these things like um, it's one of these things like uh, blue pentagrams that. that that, that, that Kabbalists keep trying to justify them after the fact, but Saturn just plain does not belong in Bria, and it does not belong uh, in in, uh, in Bina. It belongs in the Ah, and that's that's the death point. That's the, that's where you go out. That's right at the abyss, right up there. And uh, so we reconstituted uh, the Ah with uh, and added attributed just to. Uh, uh, to uh, uh, to Saturn, where it should be. Now, yeah, okay, what happens then? Are you, you're screwing up the number system. No, we're not, because uh, this way, all we have to do then is make uh, is make Kepler zero, and that makes Hokmah one, and Bina two, and and Ah three, and that takes care of the whole problem. And so, um, uh, becomes, as I said, the death point. Now, if... Uh, uh, Lady Joe, if you'll look at that page in uh, in uh, the Hermetic Kabbalah, uh, we have the fallen angels uh, who are all condensed. All those fallen angels, uh, all 200 of Shemyaza's fallen angels, all get uh, uh, the 50 boys on one side and the 50 girls on the other side. We've condensed them all down, uh, well, following Moses to Leon again, uh, into... Uh, uh, Azza and Azazel. So Azza's on one side and yeah, Azazel's on the other and they're chained in the mountain of darkness and, and, and there they are and oh boy, we got to get loose. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and Azazel, you know, he, <laughs> he kind of felt like there. <laughs> and uh, so they're still in love with each other and they still want to get, get loose and, and uh, uh, and you notice, if you notice the symbolism there, uh, the Da'ath is attributed to Moat, uh, the Grim Reaper, and, uh, and uh, you know, he isn't really all that grim, but, but I mean, he's, uh, and, uh, and uh, so we, we go on up. Now, as I said, when you're making your, making your ascent, you're going up the, up the paths, when you go up the, up the tree, uh, you shouldn't really go to, to you shouldn't really go and, and enter Saturn, except that once a year. And I get that basically. I'm I'm taking uh, Luding Ken Rinpoche's advice on that. See, the Tibetans have a similar operation to this, and they call it Powa. And this is basically death practice. And uh, and they they do it, but they don't they don't do it too too often, because 
it's uh, you know it's it's practicing to uh, to go on your own go on your own time when you want to go and uh, and uh, so I hope uh, uh, I hope that answers your your question, Lady Joe, about the dad. That be but Daf is uh, at least in our system it is, and uh, uh, Dion Fortune they've stuck with this this poor lettering and numbering thing that they that they had as a result of their of their their only ten spheres and, and their their twenty two missing two missing two letters from the alphabet that they should have had. And don't just take my word for that. Gershom Shalom admits it. Um that um uh they were they were stuck with, with taking this this death situation all the way up to in into into Bria. They couldn't even manage it in the abyss where it ought to be, and so we've we've made that uh, that necessary correction, and uh, and actually, um, as I as I said about these dimensions, and one should remember, and that yes, you can visit these higher spheres, but I do not suggest that you visit them in their in the dimension that they're in. That's way too high. Uh, the uh, uh, these are higher. These are higher levels of of, of uh, I hate to say vibration. I don't want to use that. That that I think that term's overused. That's something that came came out of the Kabbalion, and and it's uh, that's a little bit overused. Uh, let's say that they're that they're finer. They're finer dimensions. And granted, like. Uh, like dimensions of the simultane, they 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 exist all around us. You know, there's one point that Dion Fortune makes in this uh, in, the, in her book is is that you should not think of the of the uh, tree of life as as ascending above your head. Uh, various people have made that mistake. One of Crowley's disciples, and I forget who he thought he actually. Uh, hallucinated and and thought that the uh, tree of life was like he was looking up at a great big pinball machine rising up in the sky, you know, and uh, and thought that's what it was. No, these dimensions, the dimensions on the tree, are all around you. They are and and the tree, the eleven, the eleven sphere, especially the eleven spheres, <coughs> is like in a way. It's like uh, the eleven sphere, uh, the eleven dimension uh, postulated by M theory, and certainly the limitless, uh, the limitless nothing, or the lim- and or the limitless light condensing and forming this this point of emanation tether, seems very much like something going on in the in the in the, in the collider, doesn't it? I mean, it, this is uh, very very much like uh, like modern physics. In fact. Uh, we've been we've been hearing that that, that modern uh, that that uh, quantum physicists are taking a new look at the Kabbalah, and they have been for uh, for quite a while now, um, because well, just also like uh, Isaac Luria was the first one to to uh, theorize that uh, um, that the two halves of the brain, the two sides of the brain, were. Uh, one was uh, intuitive, and the other was uh, was more uh, was more directional, you know, more um, uh, proactive. And one was intuitive. Uh, I think he got them mixed up, but <laughs> but at least he theorized it. And uh, way back then, so the structure of the Kabbalah should be should be studied and should be mastered. 
and and uh, you should remember that it is your operating it is your operating software. It is not a map. It is a schematic, and it is. Um, and once you once you memorize it, and once you make it yours, then it will it will work for you. And you can be just as uh, Jungian as you want to be with it. You can have as many you can use pagan archetypes. That's that's wonderful. Elementals and and all of these uh, wonderful uh, beings that you can that you can visualize and and uh, use the tree of life to to stimulate your imagination and use your imagination. And uh, and it is your magical it's your magical software literally. And and so uh, I think that uh, that I have uh, just about covered about this subject about as much as, as, as um, you know as we need to get to get it across at least at this point. I encourage you uh, to uh, to read the Hermetic Yoga book, and if you have a copy of Solomon's this this article on Solomon's Magic is a little bit dated, but but I, I it's still it's 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 still good and. Uh, but if you can find a copy of Dion Fortune's The Mystical Kabbalah, I'll tell you one thing about The Mystical Kabbalah, which I need to say. She didn't cover the paths. And the reason why she didn't cover the paths were at the time she wrote the book, which was way back in the early 1920s, the paths were still secret. That's Golden Dawn attributions to the paths. And she felt that, that if, she, if she spent too much time on the past, that she'd be revealing too much that she was uh, oath-obligated not to. So the paths are dealt with more extensively in her student, Gareth Knight, my friend Basil Wilby. He dealt with her paths. He, he filled in the gaps with her paths. And his, that's the uh, practical guide to Kabbalistic symbolism. And we've used that. And then we've used uh, 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 John Michael Greer's uh, um, uh, Paths of Wisdom, which is a kind of which draws on both of those books, by the way, uh, and in a more modern way, and 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 whatever. And I recommend all three of these books, uh, but especially. Uh, and Regardi went along with me on this. He thought Dion Fortune's Mystical Kabbalah was a masterpiece, and and, uh, and he said, "Oh, I said." Much much better than my garden of pomegranates. He said, "Garden of," uh, he said, "Mystical Kabbalists. and he's right. Well, you know, some of the things that we've read read you from Dion Fortune's Mystical Kabbalah are certainly in the masterpiece category, especially what we just read about the about the Elohim. And uh, uh, this woman was was uh, a genius of of, of uh, you know. Uh, Promethean proportions, and, and or uh, or like Athena, you know, sprung sprung full arm from the brow of Zeus, and so I strongly recommend the Mystical Kabbalah by Dion Fortune. Is it still in? Is it still available, Zandria? Oh yeah, she says it is. Okay, she's uh, so I strongly recommend that, and and uh, especially to get. To get the concept in your guts, to get the, to get the conception of the Kabbalah, uh, the Hermetic Kabbalah now uh, across, and uh, and then also also if you want to get to, if you want to be, if you want to be more uh, traditional, Leonora Leach's Secret Doctrine of the Kabbalah is, is is very good too, and there's a lot of very good information in there. Now next week next week we have a real treat for you. 
uh, our friend Ed Reeb of the of the of uh, one of the Golden Dawn temples here locally has interviewed the Master Philos and uh, yeah Mary Kimmer and and uh, he has that interview um, and we're going to run that uh, next week on the Hermetic Hour and you get to uh, and you get to um, uh, hear Ed uh, interviewing interviewing. The Master Philos, and and uh, and uh, and so the, until next week, uh, we'll uh, we'll see you then, and good magic. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.